The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by the Niner Empire GB. I'm Kat Victorino, and joining me today are Nathaniel James, and returning to us is Deepak Gohill. Welcome, boys. Hi, good evening. Good evening. Deepak, we're not honoured. <laughs> <laughs> we're not worthy. We're not worthy. So Monday night, the 49ers hosted the New York Giants, and true to form, played an excellent game the first three and uh, about half a three quarters of a quarter, and then in the last two minutes decided to give it away on penalties. Uh, Nick Mullins was 27 for 39, 250 yards with one touchdown and two INTs, a 73.7 passer rating, while Eli Manning was 19 for 31 with 188 yards, three touchdowns, and 110.7 passer rating. So, we've had a little time to digest this game. What are our thoughts so there's a couple of things here. You look at the score. New York 27, San Francisco 23. And you look at virtually every stat. So look at the net yards. So New York Giants 277, 374 for us. Okay. Time of possession. Check this out. 34 minutes and 14 seconds we had in that game. Well, another killer, t- killer stat. First downs. New York 17, San Francisco 24 first downs. You know which was the stat that killed us? Turnovers, New York none, mm-hmm. 49ers two. And then you can start layering the intangible things that killed us, such as weak secondary, which we've talked about forever and a day. Penalties, perhaps some poor officiating here and there. And that's where you lay that on. But the big stat, two turnovers, and it's Eli Manning who's going to go to Canton. You're not going to win a game if you do that. No. I. To be honest, I mean, I I was watching the game and I thought, okay, yeah, I know I, uh, everybody else disappointed. Don't want to say I'm getting used to it. I really don't, but kind of in a sense, it's gutting. And I, I you know, I can feel for you know what what Shanahan because obviously he's really, really, <laughs> he's definitely trying. But I, for me, when I was watching the game, and yeah, Dipak, I'm, I'm totally with you on on the points that you've raised, but. I think, in a sense, I felt at times, and I know that, you know, Breeder, he's playing really, really good football this year. And he's had, he's, he's like the top rusher um, in the league, which, which is great. And George Kittle, he's a tight end of the future, really, if you think about it. He's playing, he's, again, he's having, he's, he's developed and he's really, really progressing. But I kind of got the impression that there was, in a sense, quite a, an over-reliance on them. And maybe, you know, the Giants actually did kind of adjust so they knew what plays were, were kind of, in a sense, coming. Obviously, we, we Marquise went out with a, with a leg injury, I think it was, towards the sort of end of the game. But, yeah, I, I was just... I was a bit. I would have liked it. It's, it's hard because, and I think we were. I was talking to Simon about you know some of the issues, and it, it's it's hard. But we're you know in a sense quite quite reliant on on those two players. So yeah, 
I, that's that was my kind of view in terms of what 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 happened. I thought that there was just a, a lot of over reliance on Kittle and Breeder. Well, and I really I felt like every play was going to go to Kittle. You know, it was like he was the first man every play, and when you do that too much, that's when the defense is going to catch on, and they're going to start picking you off left, right, and center. So it could have been much worse than two turnovers last week. This is my take on that. I mean, let's get back to planet Earth again for a little while. We are rebuilding, and perhaps you could argue we're regressing. But by giving players like Kittle and Breeder these big plays, it can only help the rebuild process because we're far from the finished article, okay? We've still got a couple of seasons in us before we can be that dominant team in the NFC. But I think these little things where we are utilizing them perhaps more than we should... And I think the reason why we're using them is because we've got, we're so bereft in a depth chart. We really don't have any marquee players on this team. None, in fact, right? So I don't really mind him making those plays and, and perhaps overusing them. And you're right, there's going to be an element of the defense knows that there are big play guys every single time. But yeah, Kittles, Breeder. Juzek, you know, we have got some shining stars in this team, but I think our defense is letting us down something awful. Absolutely. And I think that's probably, again, my biggest frustration is that those mistakes on defense are still happening. You know, that final defensive stand, they could have easily stopped them with a three and out, and we could have been doing the victory formation. Um Nathaniel, you had posted a question in the in the Facebook group, Niner Empire GB, about Solomon Thomas and his role. Let's talk about that. Is this the stage where we change the role of Solomon Thomas and his position? I think it's really, really hard, isn't it? Because obviously um, we, we talk about um, our defensive coordinator, Salah, trying to adjust and everything. But I think he's quite, in a sense, adamant about the position that certain players are actually playing um, from a formulation perspective in terms of the um, defensive line. So, I yeah, I uh, to be honest, I, I, th- I would like it. And I think, I, I think I read an article a few weeks back or a few games back about Solomon Thomas and the fact how he was, you know, kind of utilised in these correct positions. And when, when he was at Stanford, I believe that he was, you know, he was one of the he was a he was actually a good rusher so I, I i don't know really i guess in a sense it would be great if salah could make these adjustments but it's difficult and i think obviously there there, there seems to be you know we've, we've not been we've, we've been quite unlucky with um injuries obviously you know we <laughs> we missed ruben as well which probably had a little bit of a a potential impact and maybe that you know, would have been the time for him to come in and sort of shine and everything. But yeah, as I say, I think it, it, it's difficult. We don't really have that that kind of edge rusher, if you like. And I think obviously that's something that you know we're probably gonna have to look into for you know when we look to draft or whether we get somebody in the free agency. But um, yeah, it, it's hard. I guess it's just whether or not Salah's gonna make that that adjustment as much as we all want him to you know kind of have proven there are times where I think the defense has played quite reasonable but 
Yeah, it's ha it's ha it's utilizing the correct players in the correct positions, and I think Solomon would be Solomon Thomas would would you know it would be beneficial for him to be placed in those sort of situations. And I think it's a question of utilizing those players in the right defensive schemes. You've probably heard this article, uh, this stat that's going around that we only blitzed once or twice the entire game. And we're talking about Solomon Thomas, but I think we also need to be asking questions of Eric Armstead as well. You know, is he that pass rusher that we thought he was going to be? And if he's not, then <laughs> I'm sorry, this sounds simple. Why isn't he? This was a, a high draft choice that, you know, was almost like a franchise defensive player. Why isn't he stepping up? You know, is it the formation or is it the players not confident or what else is wrong? Because I think there's more beneath the surface than what we see. I think it's unforgivable to blitz only once in an entire game against a team as weak as the Giants, you know. Well, you definitely have to get some pressure on the opposing quarterback. Ross Irwin asked, is Robert Sala making it clear that we have no pass rush or is he inept and should be fired? What do you think, Deepak? Of the, the sheer amount of frustration. And again, because we're in such a, a convoluted rebuild now, what with our injuries, I, I, I personally don't like saying, fire this guy, fire that guy. I just think this is about talent management. And I don't know, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I, I love Shani. I think he's a decent coach, but... We need him to be a head coach and not just a coordinator because I think Salah could do with some help, to be honest, because his schemes aren't impressing me. So to answer that question, should we fire him? I, I could fully understand why you'd want him gone, but at the same time, I think could be two things. Is it the lack of personnel, the lack of sheer quality that we have, or is it something else? You know, it, The 49ers hide all of these things, so naturally I can understand why people want people fired you know that's how it is this is the nfl well and it seems to be the culture that the nfl has has become you know if if we can't fix it now then we're going to try someone else who will fix it now you know there's none of this patience while we rebuild going on and that's really what needs to be exercised right now i think it's hard isn't it because obviously <laughs> it's it's a competitive business and it's based on performance isn't it and you know if a coach isn't and it's really really hard um, if a coach isn't being able to provide the, the correct kind of product and performance um, out on the field then yeah I, I, I think like everybody um, can understand the frustration and then you think well hold on a minute is does does something need to happen in this situation so, yeah, it is a, it's, a, it's a difficult one. Well, and I mean, on the flip side, you've got, you've also got, you know, we, we're trying to rebuild. We don't, we, obviously, you cannot get all the talent you need out of one or two drafts, one or two uh, uh, free agencies, which I think I actually made that point the last time I was hosting the show. But that, to get that quality team put together it's gonna take time and it's gonna take patience and it's you know it's I don't know what I'm trying to say I you know I think it's too soon to get rid of anybody on the coaching level do they need to maybe look at their scheme 
or look at their individual roles, maybe that's what needs to be looked at. Because on the whole, our defense is pretty good for three quarters of the game, the three and a half quarters. Because if we're looking at our record, you know, there are some games that we should have won, okay? And there are sort of mm-hmm. games where we should have been tanked. But in those games that we should have won, it was defensive lapses and this thing, this lack of discipline that always rears its head. And I think the question we really need to be asking is, for our defensive players, okay, who should be held accountable for this ridiculous lack of discipline? Should it be the defensive coordinator, who is effectively the head coach of the defense, or should it be the guy above him, who's Shani? Because if we had a bit more discipline on our defensive side of the ball, we could well have won another couple of games, you know, and we'd all be singing a different tune and nobody would want anybody fired. Absolutely. You know, it's very small margins. Very small margins. And it's always that last, you know, five minutes of the game. That's where the the big penalties that have killed us has come in, is that last five minutes. That last defensive drive, we had three penalties in a row that marched the Giants down the field. You know, that can't happen. I know, but the cynic in me says they would have marched down the field with our second anyway. <laughs> and, and I think I um, raised, you know, a point around, you know, we, we talk about um, Shanahan being that, and in a sense, this is his second year as a head coach. Is it uh, that that discipline? Is it, is it down to confidence? Is it down to the fact that Shanahan isn't completely confident as a head coach at this stage? Is he a head coach or is he really an offensive coordinator? And I'm going to plant my flag in the ground. I'm not having a critique at Shani at all. I don't want him to get fired at all. But my personal belief is he's not head coaching. He's Xing and Oing, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, it makes total sense. Since this season started, that this guy isn't actually the head coach. He just is an offensive coordinator with a title of head coach. Which is fine, but we need a shit-kicking head coach. We need someone who's going to take names. You know, we need a butt-kicker, someone who's who's not going to ac- accept ridiculous penalties, who's not going to accept, you know, lame play. We need somebody who's going to put the fear of God into them. And I actually don't think Shani is that guy. I think Shani is better suited as a coordinator, and he's an extremely efficient, very competent coordinator. I would definitely keep Shani in as that, but as a head coach, I sometimes think we're going without one at the moment. You know, that's how I feel. Valid point, though. So Mark Lyon had asked, why does Salah, still on defense, insist on playing a soft defense when we're up in the fourth quarter? I think... Don't we actually call that the prevent defense, you know, the defense that prevents you from winning? Well, there's that. But if you look at the time of possession that we had, okay, we had 34 minutes and 14 seconds time of possession. That's the time our defense was effectively resting. So you can't really make that point that the defense is tired. That's why they were soft. What you can argue is, for a rested defense, they should be aggressive and hungry enough to close off that game. And who was it that asked that question? Well, that's a legit question. And it does Mark. Yeah, and it needs an answer because he's spot on there. You know, yep. why would you play a soft prevent defense when your defense is 
you know, it's, it's 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 rested. Yeah, it is. It's it's rested. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's not been on the field all day. You know, it's it's chilled yeah. out on the sideline. Well, and then Mark asks another one of my favorite points: Why can't our defense force turnovers? We all know I like my pick sixes. You know, again, I think it's a it's down to this intensity. So. What we're seeing is incompetence rather than intensity. If you saw intensity with incompetence, you'd give them a pass for that in a rebuild. I know I definitely would. But I just don't think people are that fired up because defense is about hustle. It's about playing with heart. You know, It's, it's about really get, putting it out there. That I'm, not, I'm not a purist of the game in terms of offense, but I know with defense, it's less about technique. It's about how badly you want to play. And I truly, I don't see that in some of our defensive players, especially our, our secondary. I, I don't see intensity. I don't see passion. I don't see fire in them. And somebody in that organization has to give them that fire or ask them, what are they doing here if they don't want to be here? You know, and I truly think that's a factor. You've got to want to be up for playing a game of football. Yeah, Dipak, I'm totally in agreement with you. I think that obviously, you think about those situations where we had that defense, um, when you know when when we had that defense you had that Patrick Willis you know that pre-game kind of warm up him firing up you know the team getting ready to play that that is precisely what we need isn't it in terms of just you know getting them into into the into that game so yeah yeah totally in agreement i mean on yeah. that on that team we had willis we had bowman we had frank gore yeah. we had leaders on the field you know looking at this team who would you say was a, a a pure natural leader you know one who's going to shout and call out names you know and say you're not doing your job on the playing side you know we don't really have a leader on the field do we well i okay i'm not going to be very popular right now but I do have to say, Richard Sherman has impressed me with his leadership ability on the field. He is on that sidelines yelling at his defensive teammates throughout every game. Yeah, I don't like the guy, but... <laughs> for the wrong reason, okay? He, he has, right, right. He has brought that, that level of leadership into the team. And, you know, that's something... You can't really put a price value on. It's invaluable for a team in rebuild. So as for doing that, that's a massive, massive asset for us. And with his experience, on, and he leads by example. You know, yes. I, I will, I will slam this guy when I when I think he's done something wrong. But when he's done something right, you have to man up and give him his dues, which I will. Okay, I completely respect that. But it's just him. We need another. Yeah. Another exactly. two or three. We we don't have one on offense. You know, the linebacker right. should have one in charge that's going to say, you know, it's about checks and balances, boys. Who's going to do I, this? I'd love it if Marquise Goodwin was that guy that could be that, you know, person that could look to try and get, you know, get the guys. But I just don't think he's, he just doesn't come across. He comes very, when I see him in interviews and everything, he's, he just comes across very softly spoken as a, as a, as a wide receiver. So, and I think, you know, obviously him and, probably Pierre are probably <laughs> two of the guys that are the most you know kind of experienced from from that position so 
Jimmy G, when he's, I, when he's healthy, could take that mantle of a leader on again, you mm-hmm. know? And I actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see George Kittle grow into that leadership role. He's outspoken enough and kind of goofy enough that he, he it could work, you know? But I, I think he needs a little more experience and a little more, you know, a little more time. But I think he could definitely, I'd like to see him definitely step up into a role yeah. and Dipak I'm t- totally in agreement with you, you look at when what what Jimmy did did right towards you know like how he sort of um broke down you know the game in terms of when he, when we were playing against the the Titans when he was breaking down the the, the defense was he he was actually you know sort of talking about what where where sort of Marquis should move or how much space Kittle would have and, and and everything and obviously probably got that from Brady what we've got to look at after this Giants game is it was a really disappointing loss you know and we're all rolling our eyes but you know the truth of it is just a, a few little tweaks here and there and we would have won a, a few more games we wouldn't be having these conversations so in its own perverted way despite being decimated with injuries we are still making forward progress despite the handicaps that bad luck and to a degree ourselves have put on this team. So I still think there's some reason to be positive here. Well, absolutely. I mean, we, I think what we're seeing through with all the injuries is we're seeing what talent we need to keep. Mullins is definite. Let's, you know, let's talk about Mullins for a little bit. I know we, we should probably move on, but this kid came into an, uh, an impossible situation, lit it up on Thursday night against the Raiders, which, I, you know, I had to say something. I didn't get to review the Raiders game. And then came back and still played a hell of a game Monday night against the Giants. He just couldn't count on our defense to, to sew it up. And that's, for me, that's, I think he is definitely going to be our backup moving forward, I think. I think, I think CJ is probably going to be... Bye bye. And I think um, was it last week? James um, said something about it as well, didn't he? The fact that obviously he wasn't wouldn't be too fussed with CJ playing. So yeah, it, it's it is good. I, I think, and also I think with with Mullins, I think he's played some really good. He he definitely has shown real potential, hasn't he? And it's it's that kind of progression to 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 play you know from college to to the nfl um because everything's a lot quicker isn't it and i think that's that's the thing with with cj and i'm not not trying to go back to it but he hasn't i think that's what i you know i, I sort of said that and i even mentioned it right at the start of the this year i thought this guy is supposed to be our backup quarterback and in a sense i i just thought well he's had a few good few good games but it is one of those competitive businesses and this is the thing it's 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 based on results isn't it i think from a you know from a perspective i think that you know obviously mullins played really really well can't believe the guy was undrafted he wasn't even picked he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't even drafted so to 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 do what he's done in two games um, what he did with the raiders was was brilliant 
Um, I think he even, despite the two interceptions that he had, which one of which I don't really feel when I when I was watching the the highlights, it wasn't really his fault. I think he, uh, all right, maybe he should have passed it in front of the player, but take that aside, he he did actually play some really really good football, for you know for throughout the whole game with regards to the Giants. So yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. And I think that also, just to pick on, Mullen's got some praise, I believe. And I can't remember, who was it that gave him praise? Steve Young, um, I believe. I think it was Steve Young that praised Oh, oh good, good Steve. Steve. <laughs> we love Steve <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Very much so. So we have a couple other questions we should hit from the, the Facebook group. Oh, well, Nathaniel, you asked another one. Where do the cast think we should be aiming for in the draft or free agency markets in terms of positions for the long-term future of the team? Deepak. In terms of positions, as in what our needs are, um, that's a difficult one. I think we need a quality wide out. Uh, I also believe we need, put it this way, we have a vacancy in every single skill position going. Okay. <laughs> But there is a stud defensive end that's going to come out of Ohio State, Nick Bosa. And he won't go first pick. He'll probably go to the lower order, maybe fourth or fifth. I wouldn't say no to a, to a, to a DE like him. But our needs, really, we have gaps in every skill position. Um, Jimmy G, quarterback, we need a backup. Will he stay? Will he, will he not stay? We don't know. Wideouts. Breeder is playing out of his skin as running back, so maybe we could be okay for running back, but I think we really need to shore up our defensive line a little bit, you know, and have some pass rushes in there. Agreed. I, I definitely think we need to have that pass rush. But there's, yeah. there's two defensive tackles from Ohio State. It's a football factory. Not one that I'm very partial to, but <laughs> this, this particular year, I mean, I've seen both of these play, actually, because I do watch a little bit of college football, and I think both of those would be uh, a terrific fit for us. We need quick, aggressive pass rushers. And and I mentioned his name earlier, Armstead, and I was questioning whether the, our, our style doesn't suit him or what, but I haven't seen the attitude from him, you know, and that kind of makes me think maybe this guy was a bust after all. I don't know. But I would, if I was drafting, I would look to fill the, the gaps with defensive ends first. Possibly a receiver, certainly quarterback, uh, cornerbacks, and um, in the safety positions. <laughs> what are you thinking, Nathaniel? <laughs> no, I, 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 I know no, it's I, I, everything, right? I, I, to be honest, I'm, I was in very much in agreement with what Dipat was saying. I think that <laughs> we need that pass. We need a pass rusher. I think we definitely need an edge rusher. Um, we definitely need an, a, a wide wide receiver um i think it's you know it's proven that we really you know possibly in every sort of position but yeah i think primarily i think it's i think for me like the two positions that i was thinking were kind of edge rusher and wide receiver so yeah yeah glad we're we're, we're <laughs> on sort of same same wavelength uh, <laughs> that makes so much sense because even in this day and age of, of offensive football, especially passing football, 
There's no substitute. If you want to win that Vince Lombardi, you better have a lights-out defense, and that's the end of that. It doesn't matter how good your offense is. You build for a championship by building your defense. And then we can stop this losing the game in the last two minutes. Uh, Richard Burley, he asks, Breda, Kittle, or Gould, someone else, who is your favorite player of the year? For me, probably I would have to say breeder i liked i've liked i've liked what breeder's done and i think that there was you know even right at the start when we were watching brick by brick earlier this year seeing what some of the stuff that he was doing brilliant so seemed like he was going to have a really good year so yeah yeah definitely breeder for me dipak it's hard to disagree <laughs> with breeder but did you see that field goal that Gould kicked against the Raiders from 53 yards out? It was perfect. Uh, I've seen Morton Anderson kick, and I watched this guy kick, and I'm no like... No one picks a kicker? No, no, but listen to this. That field goal was, in all my years of watching the NFL, that's, that's the perfect field goal. That could have been a 58, 59-yarder. He would have nailed it. It was a thing of beauty. It truly was. And uh, you know what? We have to give that kid some credit. I know he's only a kicker. But seriously, Breeder, yeah, what a revelation. And he does play with courage and he does play with heart. And that touchdown catch was just phenomenal. He's an athlete and that kid can play. And I think he's earned his right to be the starting running back for this team throughout this rebuild and maybe beyond. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, kind of what happens because to be honest, I know that Kyle was said that, you know, he wants Jarrett McKinnon. Um, he wanted him to be this, you know, this, this back and everything because he could block, he could do things that, you know, that, that, that he wanted the running back to do. So I think, you know, both of them together next year, that would be really interesting to sort of see what, what kind of happens really. Hopefully we won't have a situation with injuries, um, kind of like what we've had this year. Well, I personally, my favorite will always be, I think, uh, Marquise Goodwin, even though he's not putting up the great numbers he was putting up last year. He's still putting up decent numbers. He's a heck of a nice guy, and he's been through so much already in his first couple of years uh, as an, a football player. I just have nothing but utmost respect for him. But in terms of player of this year, uh, I, I'm going to go with Kittle. Only because he's kooky and goofy, and I dig him. <laughs> and it was good to see that um, that video that was released recently, with um, just talking about some of the difficulties that Good, um, Goodwin had had. You know, it, yeah, yeah. It's 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 been uh, an interesting journey. Kittle also brings that intensity that we were talking about to this football team. You know, he's one of those guys who wants the ball to go to him all the time. Play. Yeah. You know, and that's the kind of guy you need on a team like this, who's not afraid to catch the difficult catch down the middle and get, get smacked to hell and back. He wants the ball, you know, and, and I, and he's such a fun player to watch. He really, really is. And like you said, Kat, he's quirky. And, you know, I think of tight ends and I think, of Brent Jones, you know, and before him, mm-hmm. Russ Francis, and more modern days, he could have been a great, but he chose not to. Vernon, Vernon could have been an all yeah. pro forever, but Kittle is a different type of gravy to those guys. You know, he's a lot more fluid in the way that he plays. Perhaps not the aggressive 
pass blocker that he is, but you know, he's a guy you want on your team. But he wants the ball every single time, and I love his intensity. And that's what we mm-hmm. need from everybody. If we had all of that from all of our players, you know, we'd be we'd be very pleased with this re- record and how we're doing. If we show that, you know, we need to start showing that. Well, so we have uh, no roster moves or injuries right now listed right now because we are on a bye week. Our next game won't be until November 25th at Tampa Bay. We'll preview that game next week. But we do have some pick six results. Nathaniel, you want to take that for me? Yes. Right. Okay. So this week there were no pick six winners. Jimmy Brewster was the only person to select the Giants. Boo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 Jimmy, why are you selecting those dodgy football teams? Because <laughs> he's competitive and he doesn't pick with his heart. And also, 23 is a correct 49ers score. So Jimmy got, he selected the Giants and also got 23 as the correct score. Okay, not bad. Yeah. It's a bit of a game of luck, I think, though. Mark, Leon <laughs> Mark, uh, also got the correct score, um, taking their weekly totals up to six and five, respectively. So the season-to-date leaders, Jimmy, 43, uh, Mark Noly, 40, Keith Fish, 39, Mark Leon, 38, Bjorn, Sorry, Bjorn, I'm not going to even pronounce your surname. I know that we've been talking, but I, I'm not even going to pronounce it. Um, he, you've, you've got a 38. Um, so, yeah, I, I know you've been asking me for advice. No, I'm joking. You've not been asking me for advice. But, yeah, that's the um, that's the pick six for, for this, this, this week. Good job, everyone. Okay, guys, I have two minutes on the clock. Are we ready to play the two-minute drill? Yep. Yep. All right, here we go. Deepak. Oh, we're going to ask this question again. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> Why do we look so passive on defense? Attitude, attitude, attitude. Perfect. <laughs> Nathaniel, is Salah now a dead man walking? No, I don't believe he is at this stage because I just don't think that Kyle's in that situation to maybe have that confidence at this stage. I think, obviously, we'll just have to see what, what the fans think and react because I'm sure they'll, they'll listen to the fans. Deepak, where has our pass rush gone? Eight sacks last week to one this week against a terrible offensive line, too. And one blitz. So ask Coach Salah <laughs> where our pass rush has gone. <laughs> Nathaniel, are you happy for Mullins to stay under center? Um, what, for the remainder of this year? Yes. Yeah, of course. Deepak, with Breda and Kittle again, the standout 49ers, do we need a big-bodied receiver to improve our red zone failures? Yes, we do, and not just for red zone failures. I think a big-body receiver is something ideal as a possession receiver, which we don't even have. Nathaniel, Sherman has started to look like the player he was. Can we keep him happy and healthy? I Yeah, I think, think we certainly can keep him happy and healthy. I'm sure that, you know, he's a game um, I know that... Not, not Dipak's favourite player, but um, I, I think that, yeah, absolutely. We need to... This guy, as much as you might dislike him, some of the faithful might dislike him, he is a very intelligent player and he knows what he's doing in that position. D 
DPAC, other than maybe Warner and Sherman, who has done enough to keep the starting spot on D? On D, uh, when he's healthy, I think Foster has done okay. As for the rest of them, I think it's up for grabs. I'm not really impressed with, with any of them. And we are out <coughs> Good job, guys. All right, so... How was that I? Was, was I all right? Because it's been you're months. You're doing great. <laughs> it's been almost a year since I've done this, guys. We have, let's see, we don't have a game to predict. So I guess that's it for us for this week. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Mark Lyon, Mark Kahn, Andrew Mitchell, Neil Jepson, Deepak Gohill, Paul McDonald, James Little, Simon Holdsworth, Nathaniel James, Rob Newell, Jason Argo, and Graham Ross for all the work they do in the group and on the show. Apologies if I missed anyone. You tried doing that with a full breath. Uh, if you would like to get involved on the show, just let us know. You can message any of the admins in the Facebook group. We're always looking for members to appear on the show or just to contribute content. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB and on Facebook. Search for the group Niner Empire GB. Be sure to check out the Frequency 49 blog, which is also posted on Podbean or your favorite podcast site. You can also email us at Frequency49show at gmail.com. Time to say goodbye, boys. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Goodbye, Go Goodbye boys and gals. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of Deepak Gohill, Nathaniel James, I'm Kat Victorino. We'll be back next week for the Tampa Bay Preview. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. <laughs> <laughs>